Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to L.A. Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to All Things Therapy. I am your host, Lisa Tahir. I am a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. I currently practice as an intuitive psychotherapist. I am a Reiki practitioner. I'm also EMDR certified, and I have physical offices in both Los Angeles and New Orleans. I see clients worldwide via Skype and phone sessions. So if you would like to book a session or have questions, please reach out to me at nolatherapy.com. It is the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. I also have a website as I'm a professional artist. It is lisatahir.com, and I integrate the creative process into my psychotherapeutic work with clients. If you're interested in being a guest, if you've written a book, have an idea, just something cool and different, please reach out. I'm always looking for new guests of various professions to have on my show or to advertise. My guest today really inspires me, and she has helped me personally. Candy Cross has co-developed over 80 books as both a ghostwriter and an editor. She is CEO of You Talk, I Write, and her agency specializes in writing autobiographies, business books, and self-help books for and with her individual clients. And Candy has clients worldwide, including clients in Egypt, Pakistan, Japan, and Germany. We're going to talk some about that in a bit. And we're also going to talk about her past life as a reporter and how she can help you. If you have a book idea that you want to write, can't find the time to write, if you need an editor, or just all things surrounding this whole business of writing and publishing. And she has recently helped me. We have worked together over the last six weeks or so over the completion of a formal proposal that she sent out to various agents and publishers in the self-help and inspirational memoir realm, which is my next book, which is called Excavation of Memory. Through the Eyes of a Therapist. So I'd like to welcome Candy Cross onto the show today. Hello, Candy. Good afternoon, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me, and, and thank you for such a robust introduction. 
I really you're appreciate so, that. You're so welcome. I know that there's more that, that you've done than what I added to the introduction. Um, so I wonder where you'd like to start. Do you want to talk about some of what brought you um, to becoming an editor and ghostwriter? Or do you want to talk about more of what you do? It's up to you, the direction that we take. Uh, sure. I, I love having a license to talk about whatever I please. So thanks for having you me. You are so welcome. <laughs> you know, Lisa, let's just start from the beginning in the way that I, as a child, I didn't want to do anything but write and read, honestly. So in yeah. undergrad, yeah. I, and I, I knew that from, from very early on, I would get lost in my aunt's library, frankly, at the age of two or three. And I was really trying to get her to read excerpts aloud from adult novels. Of course, I was scolded from that for that. But at the same time, you know, she she was instrumental in my life. She took me to libraries very early on as a toddler. And then in school, I entered a lot of creative writing contests. I sought mentorship from teachers very early on. So it really, I do look at it as a lifelong journey as being a writer and editor. So I majored in classical literature and journalism and went on to participate in four different in, intense internships, including for an arts journal that I covered gallery openings and fashion shows for. And that was really the start of my career, you know, okay. before heading into heading into book publishing uh, for a summer internship with Writer's Digest Books, and then they hired me full-time as an assistant editor, and that was Candy, are you with us? I am thinking we lost our guest for the moment, but, um, you know, I met Candy a couple of years ago, and was really interested by what she did for a living as I had self-published a booklet called Surrender. Oh, here we are. Hello. Yes. Hey, you're Hi. there? Hey, I'm not okay. sure what happened there. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're back. Yeah, me too. You were talking about the work you did with the fashion writing and arts writing. That was kind of a start for you. Yes, I was I was born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio, and went to school in Kentucky. And I had participated in several internships, including one for an art journal that I started covering gallery openings and fashion shows for. Mm -hmm. And that was really the start of my paying, you know, paid writing assignments before I took a summer internship with Writer's Digest Books as a book editor. And they hired me full-time as an editor. So that was at the start of my oh, career. Okay. That's when you worked for Writer's Digest, which I know is huge. So, okay. That, that yes. piece I didn't have in place in my memory. Got it. Yeah. And, and now, you know, um, interestingly enough, at that time, the headquarters was in Cincinnati, Ohio, under the realm of F&W Publications. And that has really blossomed, you know, in the past couple of decades. They have various locations now and many, many subsidiary publishers under that. And, of course, they still continue to be the, the go-to source, really, for budding writers. You know, Writer's Digest magazine is, yes. still exists. Yes. And so the market book directories, artists and graphic designers market, children's writers and illustrators market, literary agents market, continues today to be really the, the 
prominent source, you know, to, to find those paying gigs that I've initially started with in my career. So, Okay. And you were a reporter? Were you a reporter at the same time? Or how did that kind of integrate with ghostwriting and editing? Sure. Great, great question. Because I, I really enjoy the, the creative side of the book process, of course, and then journalism, I was torn between staying in hardcore reporting or, or you know, hardcore news reporting at the time. Yes. Of course, that was back in the, that back in the early 90s, which is a completely different climate. It was a completely different climate than it is today when you have 24-7 newsreels online and a lot of commentators that have replaced traditional journalist. Okay. So, yeah, I had, I was really taking all that I could, quite frankly, while still in school. And then once I got out, you know, I took a full-time position at Writer's Digest Books as an assistant editor. And at the same time, I was reporting for different magazines and newspapers in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I, you know, as I told you on a personal note, I relocated to Atlanta, Georgia in 2002. So I continued my reporting career, actually, which was, it was easier to continue that full time in Atlanta at a newspaper called the Covington News. I actually was covering, funny enough, school, school board meetings and things like that. But at the same time, I stayed in magazines and got a lot of paying gigs. And then I went on to be part of a founding team for what was called Fierce Magazine at the time, and I was doing cover stories and investigative reports. And, you know, that's where a lot of my larger assignments came in, as you know. One was I had done a piece on women's roles in war and had interviewed the former Prime Minister of Pakistan, Benazir Bhutto. Of course, at that time, she she was in exile in Dubai, so I was very fortunate to have a direct contact to actually be able to speak to her online. And, and at that time she couldn't disclose location, of course. And then, wow. you know, everyone knows thereafter she was, she was soon assassinated. Unfortunately. Assass- yeah. When I, when I learned that about you, I was so intrigued because as you know, I'm half Pakistani. And so knowing that you, uh, you know, interviewed former prime minister Bhutto is like, wow, amazing. And, just so cool. It was a, it was definitely a highlight of my career, needless to say, and still continues to be one of my proudest achievements as a writer, you know, because I always, growing up, reading about people and places around the world, I really wanted that sort of direct touch point to where I would create some type of comment or content that would really have global appeal. So mm-hmm. in order to get you know, women's leaders and women in the military and things like that it wasn't necessarily an easy route to get these interview subjects. And at the same time, I was able to work with a photographer from National Geographic who supplied. Wow. Yeah, she had supplied. She had def- She had been covering war for about 20 years. So she supplied a dozen photos from various places where women were serving as both leaders and as officials with, you know, armed with everything that you can imagine as far as what that particular country had in weaponry. So that was part of the piece as well. 
So I can see from as a child, you had this love for books and, and being encouraged so much to, to pursue that and explore that. And then your work as a reporter to be kind of a, on an end of, of information dissemination, disseminating information, mm-hmm. actually. And then, you know, books, I find them to be a refuge. And the more that I read, especially as I've started this show earlier in 2016, just, um, you know, people have so many interesting things to say, and there's so much going on out there. And, and I wonder, can you direct our listeners, when when might someone know if they should write a book? Great question, Lisa. And, you know, you and I have talked about this extensively for about a year on your own yeah, yeah. And, and what your journey was prior, you know, your first book and what had inspired you to do that flurry of writing within seven or eight days. Yes, and oftentimes there's there's no set formula, but I can tell you the people that usually approach me to do a book, they have been told time and time again that their story is worth sharing. Mm-hmm. And they have either come out of some type of tragic event or they have, you know, gotten over illness or they've come out of a divorce and They've somehow are in reinvention and they want to share tips with other people. And, you know, you and I both know that writing is a very cathartic process in which you learn to not only communicate effectively when you're voicing your feelings and organizing, you know, the, the mess of thoughts that, that's currently in your head, you know, without yes. sharing it with others. But you also come into a place to where you don't feel alone in what has happened to you or what you're going through at the time. And that is really the power of storytelling all the way around that has been in sync with us throughout humanity. We are storytellers by nature. Yes, absolutely. Yes, Yes, exactly. We We are storytellers by nature. We are, you know, we learn to communicate thoughts and feelings with one another very early on. So to be cut from that in, in some way is, you know, becomes very debilitating. Whereas on the, on the flip side, when you are writing about something every day or you get into a certain routine, you know, you can feel reprieve from feeling stuck, so to speak. And you, and if you can help other people through detailing your, your triumph or achievement, you, you know, and your mood shifts into one of interaction and positivity and reconciliation, it really is a life-changing process. Yes. And so a few moments ago, when, when your call dropped mysteriously, I had about 30 seconds yeah. that, I, that I just started to share with our listeners how I did self-publish a booklet, and um, it was a therapeutic and cathartic experience for, for me. And at the same time, what it put me in touch with is that, you know, how do I get how do I get um, my story out? And just this gap between mm-hmm. the desire, the desire to write, the therapeutic benefits of writing, you know, the inherent helpfulness of a story, of a message, but then how to get it to people, you know, how how to sell it, how to have readers and such. So that's where you have come in to be so helpful for me. And I wonder if you can talk to our listeners about how is it that you work with a client like myself or someone else that wants to to work with you to publish a book. And thank you so much for acknowledging that again. I'm not sure what had happened. I was looking at the phone and it just kind of went blank. Well, it was meant to be somehow so I could get that little blurb out. 
<laughs> yeah. So thanks so much for using that as, as a uh, positive pause, if you will. So I have helped. I can tell you that I've I've been a part of the storytelling process from concept all the way through to the PR arm of book sales and marketability, and then getting into the author platform of speaking engagements, yes. you know, both here and abroad, frankly, or if you're in academic realm, you've got to publish a number, a certain number of yes. know, pieces. And so there are different requirements depending on the individual that comes to me. But if, if we're just talking about, let's just say as, as far as you, you know, you came with a very solid story idea, Lisa, we organize the material through the interview process to then create the chapter outline that would serve as that skeletal framework for well, the may, actual manuscript. May I jump in here to, to add something? Sure. Because um, for, for our listeners right now, Candy actually really made this process streamlined and formalized it for me that I came to her with an idea to do an inspirational memoir based upon um, like a, like a self-help book based upon how I grew up, what I learned, what I didn't learn as a just person, a human being. And then what I've integrated as a psychotherapist, as a client participating in various healing modalities. So I, I came to you with all of this stuff, but you actually sent me each week a list of up to 15 very specific questions that I had to address taking however much time was needed to answer these questions that you helped me really focus and hone in, you know, because it was overwhelming to come to you with this idea. So mm -hmm. I just really want to give you credit for that because I did not have all these chapters figured out. You really worked with me to develop that. So I think it's important or important for our listeners to know that you don't have to have your book figured out. You just have to have an idea. Mm -hmm. And that's where Candy, I think you really do so well to help, you know, the budding author, really write specifically and like the book I like the the proposal you sent out that chapters have an arc there's a beginning middle and end you just did such a good job to put my life and my idea like into a format that is readable and makes sense so I think it's important to to own that definitely and you you really captured a lot of what the process needs to be, you know, from the beginning of a collaboration and not necessarily, as you, as you said, just to reiterate, not necessarily coming to me with a full story, because in, in fact, I think half the clientele have had did not really have the full concept or they may have had a concept worked out. And then lo and behold, once we started collaborating, the story took a much richer turn. And that mm, is where the yeah. interview process comes in. And, and, you know, compared to a lot of other writers, there are many successful ghostwriters out there of various genres, various specialties. In reality, I think I kind of knew early on, just based on the, the excellent professors that I had, both in journalism and in my creative writing and classical literature track, that I could pair those two together. So it has really helped me to have the reporting knowledge to yeah. get to that kernel of information from the person because, you know, the re one of the main reasons that people procrastinate writing a book is, okay, I've got a terrific story that could, that maybe makes a few paragraphs in a synopsis. I have no idea how to turn that into a 200 or 250 page 
manuscript. Yes. And, and, and so the interview process helps, as you know, the next phase is research, which is typically on my end, unless they provide very targeted resources. Research is another, you know, piece of expertise from a journalist, of course. I mean, you know, we're walking encyclopedias of knowledge about a lot of things, but we're not necessarily experts. We need to just be able to communicate someone else's expertise. And on the flip side, a higher level is the ghostwriting aspect for that. So on the book side, when we talk about how do you bridge the gap between, as you were saying, you know, really creating a full-blown book proposal that is marketable and then an agent or a publisher is going to be attracted to. That's what you and I had worked on after the interview process. And the hope is that you're not just representing the story and giving a flavor for what your life story is, but you, you know, we need to give a flavor of who the person is. Right. Because as readers, we gravitate, you know, as, as read, I'll just say that as readers, we gravitate to a story, but in reality, you know, we see the, the author byline first and we see the book cover or the spine first or, you know, the downloadable file. There's all, there, there's always going to be curiosity about the person behind the story. And that's the, the beauty of nonfiction, which is what I, you know, prefer to work with other, but I also edit fiction, you know, as an editor, but. Yeah, you know, it's primarily go on, finish your, I'm sorry, finish. And then I'll jump in. I apologize for interrupting you. I have so many thoughts going on. Yeah, I do too. (laughs) (laughs) A therapist and a writer coming together and we're both communicators. So yes, (laughs) just, just to, to finish, close up the answer to the question around those building blocks for what to do with the proposal. And that's why it's very important to spend time as if you're interviewing for a position to look at who do you want to solicit? Because in reality, there are thousands of publishers. And now we have self-publishing assets that are dime a dozen. And then we also have something in between in the last few years, really, that has gotten a lot of success as the hybrid publisher. And the only way to know if which one is going to be conducive in the route that you take to bring the story to full publication is to really do is to do your research on that, just depending on on the genre that you're writing within. And some agents have open submission timeframes, okay. for example. And there there are many agents out there that will continue looking at proposals and queries until November first, mm-hmm. and then they know that they're closed. You know, they could be closed off until spring. Frankly, so because there no as a new writer, this whole just timeline of things. My gosh, it is. You you can look on a you know, for instance, if you just to quote the director again, a literary agents the literary agents market or marketplace. There's many out there that kind of sound the same. If you look at timelines and when they're seeking submissions, it pairs with the publisher's scheduling. You know, because sometimes it's going to take two years to get published. Okay. Yeah. After contract. Now that is going to include that publisher pairing enough resources for that title. So you would get a, you know, um, an editorial team paired with it, marketing sales. You then have to slot the printing timeframe that it's going to take to get, let's just say a couple thousand books 
back from press, how to market it, what are the book yeah. signings going to be, the distribution, all that. And it, it, it's, it's extreme. It can be extremely daunting for a new author. Well, I find that know. it as it is. Yeah. And for me, being a creative, being an artist, you know, being a writer, like I, I don't want to deal with all of that. I don't even know where to begin. And so that's where you really come in to help um, you know, break it down and, and, you know, get the proposal out and kind of help me as your client and, and anyone else listening, like to guide us down this path. Cause as creatives, I mean, I find that I'm great at creating ideas and things, making mm-hmm. things, but I'm not the best at say marketing it, selling it, getting it out there. So I find it really helpful what you do, obviously to fill that gap. Thank you. And as you know, you know, the hope is that you and I become so familiar after we have the chapter outline or that skeletal framework to write the material from. And I will just throw in quickly that there are a lot of writers and editors that I know that don't prefer to work with an outline or they feel like it stunts the creative process. In fiction, it may be so, but really in nonfiction, you have to sound like that expert that yes. you are positioning your quote-unquote expertise toward a readership, they need to know who is behind this information and why they should trust you. Now, I will just say, Lisa, your genre, we're going for a self-help book. Obviously, part of the criteria is that you are an authority on the information that you are circulating to a readership. Yes. And that's why my book incorporates some research from other authors Judith Herman, Trauma and Recovery, Bessel van der Kolk out of Boston University. You know, like the the book that we're working on together is my personal experience along with professional research grounded in science and various other methodologies. You know, so it's it's helpful. It, I wanted to have a positive message of inspiration and that others can can use to better themselves like I've drawn from so many authors throughout my life. As I have also, and I I can't tell you the number of mentors that I've had that have somehow enhanced my career and have really helped me get to where I am today. And I I know what I enjoy reading and I know what I would be looking for if I'm looking for, if I'm seeking some type of guide for whatever the the trend is of the weekend or the day, you know, like I I need a creative spark and I, I need to look for a book because, you know, so early on in my life, that's what I looked to for as an advice, as that first gateway of advice. Mm-hmm. And going back to what, what you brought up a few minutes ago regarding fiction versus nonfiction, are, do you work differently with, with a writer who wants to work with you on a nonfiction book versus a fiction book? I do in the way that, you know, for fiction, you have care, you have so much characterization, you have license, uh, you have creative freedom as far as setting time, place, the fundamental, the fundamentals of research and writing and organization are obviously still there for fiction, but you have a lot more license to go wild with your character sketch and plotting out. So 
I have worked with a number of authors that are that are fiction, and I've, I've tutored them actually to get more organized around an outline, and that's what I bring from the nonfiction side because yes. it's a lot more calculated. You know, as you know, it's a lot more calculated to write someone's autobiography or a self-help book or business book because you have to have some sort of credentials and you have to have create the credibility. And part of that cred- credibility is in how efficient the information actually is. Mm-hmm. So if, if someone comes to me with a novel idea, and there are select few that I have taken on, I've taken on a few screenplays as well that were partially written. Very cool. And yeah, and what I can bring to that is definitely the, the details and the organization that would go into bringing it to fruition to get it in front of the right industry contact. Yeah, and what, what you're saying is thinking for me to, to ask you, and I have experience with it, but our, for our listeners out there, you know, with, with people's crazy schedules, how, how do you keep their projects on track? How do you approach that with a client? So that is, that's a, a question that I get. It's usually in our first meeting, you know, because the reality is we're, we all have busy lives, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, to some degree. And, and, and particularly the, the people that I work with as far as experts. So I'm so detailed and coming from the magazine in where we have editorial calendars or production schedules that we follow and you don't really stray other than a couple days. And it has to be a critical emergency. Otherwise, time costs money in the printing right. world, you know, okay. or the marketing world or whatever resources that you are pairing with that particular story. So within 48 hours, I will create a production schedule that I share with the client. They will sign off on it or they'll, they'll tell me about certain travel slots or what else is going on in their lives. We do. We talk about scheduling up front because if I'm, if I'm giving that time commitment yeah. of several months, you know, I, we're, it's going to be a shared commitment in order to get, to get the story done. Yes. And I usually need, you know, the first six weeks, as you know, it's very times are the interview process is really the critical piece. And not only getting to know the story, but getting to know the, the tone of voice, that the essence of that person, and what the objectives are, and sharing with sharing this with a readership versus just going through the process yourself because you need some type of therapy. And writing is an excellent form of therapy, whether you're it doing is. it on your own, you know, as you know, whether you're doing it alone or with someone. Yeah. So they, they, they're going to know right up front that if we have the playbook that we're going to work with, which would be four months, I intend to keep that schedule going no matter what else is happening in the client's life. Yeah, and you and I did that. We had every Friday at 1130 Eastern time, you know, on the calendar for us to meet and the calls were recorded, you know, so everything I shared with you from my writing was recorded and it was just really specific. I had no idea that the writing process, it, you know, has kind of a, a protocol to, to make it happen. And I love that you, and you, you still, rem- you, you speak fondly of our interview time slots. Yeah. <laughs> because and it I was hard. It was, you know, it was incredibly helpful. 
Yeah. yeah, it was it, it what was hard and not that the scheduled meetings that was fantastic to have but for for anyone possibly doing an autobiographical memoir, you know, going utilizing some material that might have caused you some pain as in my life, you know, retelling some painful experiences that I want to distill down to the the good, what I learned, you know, how I've helped myself and others, but it took me by surprise answering the questions that you mm. sent me, you know, getting ready for our 11:30 uh, AM time on Fridays that I went through a cathartic process of having a lot of emotions come up, you know, from those memories, from the things I wanted to share with my readers and what I've learned. But part of it was writing about them. So you could know what those experiences were. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, often I would cry, you know, it brought up. So the writing process was immensely therapeutic and it, it took me by surprise how, um, I had to slow down in the beginning, as you remember, um, to just let myself have the feelings related to the material that this book is about. And um, you were really patient and understanding about that because this is what you do for a living. And for me, it kind of, you know, took me took me by surprise that all that emotion was there still. Sure. And uh, just a couple things to that. You bring up an excellent point. I actually, you know, believe it or not, I will build in time. For that emotional development of the content. As you did, yeah. Yeah, I've worked with enough people of various walks of life to do autobiographies or something that they perhaps have not talked about in many years, and they're finally able to distance themselves a little bit or be objective to, to tell the story from start to finish to someone. So, you know, when I say production schedule, as you know, it sounds very formal and rigid. In reality, it's not. It's just it is a, you know, each step of my process, I feel, has to be visible, yet it doesn't necessarily require, you know, your involvement. You just, if you want to look to something that is a guidebook where we're holding each other accountable to get a daunting task you know, like a manuscript written where it's a long-term project. This isn't a, a short-term project, you know, and I've, I know a number of reporters and I've been on the reporting end where I worked with newspapers or for newspapers and you work with schedules to where you have to write several pieces a day, or you've got to do, I, in my case, it was a tri-weekly job in which I had pieces every other day to write and it felt so haywire, but now with books, though, of course, you have a longer timeline, but many more steps to get it up to par for a readership. You know, so I'm always going to build in time for that immersion experience on, from both of us, respectively, because I understand that this is your life story. I mean, you and I went back to when you were born. Right. You know, <laughs> it's, not only take, it's not only allocating that time to go back to memory, but it is really feeling what is coming up for you through the process and then right. being able to move through that to get to that crown jewel of information that a reader would want to know. Yes. So for someone out there interested in, in engaging you in this process, how long will it take to write the manuscript? with your client start to yeah sure start to finish you know I always gauge four months for that process I have worked with people state to state or you know if I'm working with someone abroad we're going to include a week for that immersion experience in person 
usually within the four to six weeks to get acquainted and get to know one another. So we're very clear on what tone of voice should be and what the objectives are. And, and frankly, what is the future beyond the book? Okay. You know, it, it takes enough out of you, as you know, to produce a manuscript or even a chapter outline after yes. the interview process. So then your, your subsequent goals for career or life path, you don't need to know all this up front or during the, the short span that we're working you know, together. But in reality, that collaboration is going to be much more efficient if you are armed with what are you trying to do with the manuscript? You know, and I say that because, as you know, there are many, many stories that get published, particularly online, but do not move to any readership. There is no visibility right. whatsoever. That's it. The visibility that that's what I found. That's what I was saying. Also, when your call got dropped that, you know, I self published this booklet and then I don't know how to get it out there. And it just sits there not being read, not being noticed. And so you're able to get the manuscript in the hands of the reader. Right. And there are many ways to do that, as you know, and we're fortunate to have technology on our side with social media and of course but still it's not the one vehicle that you should depend on there are there should typically be a few things that go into a comprehensive campaign for marketing PR and sales I was having a a conversation with a client this morning that I'm representing and we're working on her book together and I said that that if you look at it as a campaign versus just you know, one vehicle, which would be social media, another vehicle could be traditional media, media and advertising. And another vehicle could be, okay, join a book club or network within your region, join meetups, things like that. It's great to have a plan right up yeah. front on how you want your represent, how you want to represent yourself and how you want to tell your story versus other people assuming or telling your story for you. Mm-hmm. So and it, it, in order on. for you to do that, you know, in order yeah. for you to do that in the maximum way, the, the more planning up front that goes into a campaign beyond the manuscript or beyond that you self-publishing on Amazon, once you know the time frame, you can certainly time it out for I've done a lot of 90 day campaigns that would bring exposure to a particular title or person to get those pre-sales, which is extremely important. Okay. So is, I know that you, you edit you and you ghostwrite. Can you talk some about the differences and the services that you offer? Sure. So when I ghostwrite, when someone comes to me with just a, a concept for example, I will explain a few different options. And one, you know, someone may have terrific writing skills, but just will not have the time that it requires, or they've, or they're, they're stuck. I've had a lot of people come to me, they have a partially written manuscript, they don't know what to do from there. So we will take the time, you know, I'll, I'll spend time up front if there's no charge to that particular person just to gauge which direction they should go into and then we would decide well you you know the the criteria usually for needing a ghostwriter is the fact that you 
you could procrastinated to the point of, of madness due to a lack of ability or time. And yeah, that, and that's that what case, I found. Yeah. The procrastination. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You're nailing it. Yeah. 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 Well, you know what? I mean, just to give you a little, to, as a side note, on a personal note, I wrote my, my own memoir, as you know, and it yes. took me, it took me years way beyond what it, it would typically require if I were writing it full time. And it, I had literally procrastinated so much, you know, that I was on a, an airplane and I was thinking, if this plane goes down, what would be my one regret? And it would be yeah. not telling my story. Wow. So I finally, yeah, and it, 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 that's exactly how it happened. So I just, I could not procrastinate any further, even though at the same time I was helping other people write their stories. I literally, I mean, I just had to clear the schedule and start the process. Once I started the process, it became so much easier to make that a routine. I had to hold myself. Yeah, Yeah. I I absolutely had, had to hold myself accountable to that. So the ghostwriting process is going to combine the interviews, research, writing, revisions, which would be both substantive editing and copy editing. And just to clarify the two substantive editing would be passing that first raw manuscript to the author. And that way we could go chapter to chapter if we have missed imperative information or you want another conclusion or, wow, how could we have gone through this whole process? And I I missed A to Z, you know, a two-year span in my life that I absolutely need to get in there. That's when we would, we would determine what is needed in that substantive editorial process. Okay. The manuscript then come back to me once we've, you know, the author has made some changes or we might have to have another, conduct another interview if they want to just say it verbally. And then the second draft would go to the author. They would, you know, that in that there should only be minor revisions or none at all. And then I would finalize with copy editing, which would be line by line, literally grammar, you know, grammar, spelling, line by line and formatting. And then we both proofread it and that's it. So that's the whole, the whole process for the ghostwriting process. And for our listeners. Yeah, go ahead. I will just say, you know, as you know, we've talked about this too. If you are going to ghostwrite a book and we're talking nonfiction to where you are, communicating some form of expertise, oftentimes other interview subjects will be interviewed, whether they're anonymous or we include their proper names and want to credit them just the same as the author. If that's the case, I would typically interview up to 10 subject matter experts. To that's add exactly context. what I was just going to highlight. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And in that case, you know, with people's schedules and just throwing it out there with holidays and whatever else is happening in someone's personal life, you've got to really allot enough time for that interview process that would include other people and they're, you know, they're, they're most people I find, and it doesn't matter the subject matter, they are very willing to contribute at the same time, you've got to catch them at the right time. So if someone is contacting me to do a book that's going to require subject matter experts and they're in November 1st and they want it done January 1st, it's usually not going to work because, as you know, after Halloween, the holiday rush starts 
and right. <laughs> people's people's time is is extremely precious. So so that is just one thing I would want to add if if someone is going to approach me with a nonfiction book to a lot time and think about is it just your voice that you want reflected in there or can we add context and make it a lot more robust with highlighting other subject matter experts that can contribute to the subject matter. Yeah, I thought that was so fantastic. I didn't even consider that as an option that you will interview, you know, people that I would like you to interview to add to the story and and just what an amazing additional layer of meaning that that is. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And it does help in the way that you, you know, people will supply me a dream list per se of who they would like to include in the book. And, you know, depending on what the status of that person is or if they're high profile, we don't know if we're necessarily going to be able to get to the person. But I will always make an attempt on behalf of my author. Right. So, you know, that's something to note. And then you asked me about editing. If, If you're going to come with me, or if you're going to come to me with a manuscript that's already finished, I'll go through a review process. I will do a, a detailed evaluation of the manuscript. Mm-hmm. And that evaluation lets us both know what, how much editorial help you may need on that manuscript, whether it's going okay. to be full-blown substantive or developmental editing, or if you just need a copy editor. And then we're yeah. talking about a two-week turnaround versus a two-month turnaround. Yes. Yes. So I'm curious before we, you know, we're coming to the conclusion of our show together. What is next for you? Oh, wow. (laughs) You know, I am, I'm working on, on several monumental projects that I think are life changing that could, that could really be life changing for the author and what their career trajectory is going to be. I've also thought about writing a second memoir and pairing it with the first. My first yeah, right now is with yeah. an agent. Yeah, my my the memoir is called Silver City Pink. It is with an agent. So he Great. is currently shopping the manuscript to publishers. Thank you. So I I think that is in that vein, that's going to lead to something that will that could be beyond my wildest dreams. Absolutely. Really. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, in the meantime, it is it's important to my life's work and my personal life, and just me in general, to continue doing what I love is yeah. to share other people's stories that really make a positive impact in some way, and in, and in cases it may only be the author because they needed to write that manuscript for and go through the process of creating it and expressing their story. Yet they've decided that it may only go to family members or a select group. Right. And it, it may not necessarily go to a mainstream audience like they had originally planned. I That's see. still fine because it, they, they still went through the process and it was life changing for them. Okay. Yeah. So, the last question that I like asking each guest is, okay. and however you'd like to answer it and conceptualize it, as I say it, but what is it that you would like to leave, Candy, in the way of a message or a legacy or what's important for you to, to be known for? It is important for me to be known for someone who really 
have spent a lifetime communicating something of value and building intimate relationships and evolving for me as a person includes communicating effectively and telling the stories of others because I, it's, it's such a, it's such a valuable place to be when you are able to be succinct and in, forming a message and then sharing it with the right audience. And then it just, you know, words live on stories live on. And that's, that's what my entire life journey has really been about. To get the stories out there, including your own. Would that be accurate? To get the stories out there. Yes. To get the stories out there, including my, uh, my book, you know, I'll just say saved my life at a very early age in childhood. And I would like to, carry that through my entire life in some way as the platforms of storytelling change and technology changes. The reality is the essence of stories will always be the same. And that is part of how we connect with others. It is. Candy, how can people reach you to, to question, to hire you? How can our listeners contact you? So anyone can reach me on utalkiwrite.com, which my, is my agency website. My email, my direct email address is candy, C-A-N-D-I, at utalkiwrite.com. And I would be glad to discuss anyone's concept that has, you know, for the listeners that have, that have been on today. And thank you so much for the opportunity, truly. Thank you for doing that. And so, so you know, and our listeners, this show will be archived on latalkradio.com. It is on Google Play. It is on iTunes under All Things Therapy. And I will get you um, a copy, Candy, for your materials. I just want to thank you for taking your time out today to be with us. You are most welcome. It's really been a, a terrific pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. You're welcome, Candy. And I'll talk to you soon. Talk soon. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. That concludes our show for today. Join me next week for another episode of All Things Therapy with Lisa Tai here. Bye-bye. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir only on LA Talk Radio. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.